G'day everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Yarns from a Paddock podcast brought to you by Ag Force Queensland. I'm today's host Rob, really exciting episode today, I get to sit down with Sam from Swarm Farm. For those of you who don't know what Swarm Farm is, Swarm Farm is an Australian robotics company focused on autonomous farming, which is really, really interesting. So Sam and I chose one of the worst spots to do a podcast, right on a pier with noises and people on jet skis with speakers and... Yeah, so you might hear that in the audio. Ignore it. We think it turns out all right. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I won't bore you any longer. Let's get into it. At least we start the route. Well, let's just do a, like, basically, I have, like, as a, simple as is, no idea what Swarm Farm is. So let's even talk about what Swarm Farm is. Yeah, right. And right. actually, I also really want to touch on probably your involvement with cattle. Yeah. Or, like, where you're from originally, and then how that's developed into being an employee at Swarm Farm. Yeah, too easy. Um, so, pretty much. I grew up on cattle and sheep property, uh, Armadale, northern New South Wales. Cold, cold, cold. Cold, cold and it's beautiful though. Yeah. And if I swear, if you're not going up, you're going down. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. It is hills. Um, yeah, grew up there, had a passion for ag, and then um, ended up getting in, thinking I was wanting to get into business, studied an economics degree. and Where at? Armadale. Armadale, um, yep. Yeah, and then I ended up moving overseas for uni. Okay. Well, after that. Where'd you go? China. China. Yeah, so I did an economics degree in Mandarin and Spanish and um, thinking I was going to go down that probably live export or export trade. Um, my family's got a box beef brand as well and they're predominantly in China. So I thought I'm going to head down that path and things are things changed. COVID hit. Realised that ag is actually, I just want to be back around ag. Me in Australia. <laughs> Australia's not as bad as I thought it was. And then, um, was don't know really. Grew up and like everyone was talking about, oh, well, let's get bigger equipment. Let's let's do more acres, as Andrew was saying yesterday. Everyone talks about how many acres they cross today, and like, and now we're sort of Swarm Farm has a different approach. They go smaller, and rather than talking about acres they cross in a day, it's how many passes did you do this season? So rather than doing four passes, oh, I've done eight passes. And my crops have had eight eight passes over this season. So it's sort of a um, bit of a different concept. Your tractors are pushing, what, 20 tonne? These robots are about two and a half tonne. So in an environment where controlled trafficking or controlled traffic is so vital, we can sort of, we limit the ground compaction as well. Um, you run a cotton picker through a field now and you've got some pretty serious wheel ruts, whereas you can run these things over... Whenever you, if you can run your land cruiser over a paddock, you can run a robot through it. Right. So I've got absolutely no cropping, farming background at all. So go back a step. Away. What's past, like pasting? What's, hey, what's a pastor? What'd you say? A uh, pass. A pass. How many passes? How many times you've been over your, over your crop? Right, okay. How many times you've sprayed your fallow out sort of thing? Okay. So the idea is you, realistically, it's, and you probably hear Andrew or someone from Swarm Farm ever say it, we run the we run the robots like a pivot. Okay. So you pivot. If you can imagine a pivot, it runs around your paddock. Yeah. It's once it reaches the end, it just keeps going. So the idea of a robot is, you start one end of your um, your property, you spray it all to the other end, and then you start again. And this robot just sprays like there's rather than rather than spraying a weed that's a foot high, you're now spraying a weed that's size of a coke can or smaller. So they don't have any chance to get a tap root into the ground. It's um, 
you, you don't get the resistance because every shot is actually, every dose of chemical is actually lethal. Okay, wow. So you don't, yeah, and like when you when you talk to agros or farmers, and especially if you have to go and sit on a tractor yourself, you go and mm-hmm. make sure there's a fair bit of ground coverage of weeds in a paddock before you warrant going to sit down there in a tractor for two days to a week. It's right. Yeah, and it's that's a mundane job, like 15 k's an hour. Like it's especially that camera spraying, spraying, whereas these robots say just at 10 k's an hour and you just set and forget so can you explain to me what the robot is like how does it work how do you guys come up with it what's what am i looking at when i see one of these things i like to explain it as actually just a tractor without a cab so we run so you imagine that just a normal tractor on either two meter three meter or four meter centers which is the distance to the center of the wheel that shows your axle width and then they just don't have a cab on them. They've got the front, they've got the engine at the front and they're just missing that cab and they're just completely autonomous. So um, they're articulated, four-wheel drive, four independent drive motors, and that's, again, for four-wheel drive and um, better compa- well, uh, better mobility over sort of wet and soft soil. Is all the weight at the back of them with um, your, obviously, your storage for spraying and then fuel or...? Yeah, so yeah, the, well, at the front you've got the engine. It's a um, it's a four liter diesel engine, okay. Hatz motor, German made. Okay, just a little diesel engine, and you got a tank at the a fuel tank at the front, and with your depending on the size of the boom you're wanting, we run twelve meter, eighteen meter, twenty four meter booms. So what, forty foot, sixty foot, eighty foot booms? You guys make those as well? No, so we and that's the thing we supply just the robot. So uh, we've got about 10 manufacturers from booms to um, the slashes to the turf mowers that build compatible uh, implements for our robots. And all it is is those companies have actually just built a specific smaller version of what they're currently building, the tractors, and they've just modified it a little bit for, uh, well, not modified it, they've actually built it specifically for a robot. And they, so if you imagine, so... If you're looking at a chassis, you've got an engine up the front, you've got a bare back. They're putting, we're putting a thousand liter, so for a three thousand liter um, payload, we're putting a thousand liters on the chassis of the tank, a chassis of the robot, and then two thousand liters on a tow behind or trailing boom. Yeah, bizarre. And if you're looking at like a twelve meter spray rig, but that's a leakage boom. So you've got fifteen hundred liters on the chassis, and then you've got a twelve meter boom. At the back, so it's that's we use mainly the twelve meter for um, row cropping and or in crop. How fast is it moving when it's got all of this kind of attached? Yeah, the booms, the linkage, twelve, or I guess as big, the biggest scale you can go to. What? How fast are we going, and how? We max out at uh, ten k's. Yep. So we're only we're eighty six horsepower. So you've got two and a half ton for the robot. You're pushing probably a max of seven to eight ton all up. You're not very heavy. You're still a lot lighter than a, even a small John Deere sprayer. Yeah. Um, with 3,000 litre payload and 10k an hour is sort of, it's enough. It's, it's definitely not enough if you have to sit on it, but it's enough if you can sort of set it out in the paddock and just let it go. Yeah. And it, it, the thing is, if you, if you map all your paddocks properly, so you run around your place, run around your paddock, and that gives you your operating zone and then just race around your obstacles. 
and then do a, we like, we like you to do sort of one AB line. So just run your AB line once and record it. And then you just put it into a software, our farm manager website and then you snapshot it to your robot. So that in the farm manager will build the plan and snapshot it. How do you map it? You do it, I think you were saying you do it by the camera and then you drive, drive around the outside of your, your property. Uh, you see this, you get the head unit, head unit GPS off the front of your robot. Okay. And we just throw it on the U. It's magnet, it's magnetic. Mm-hmm. So you put it on the U or a toolbox or Polaris or anything you want to just drive around it. And we like, rather that, the benefits of that over a drone are, if you, if you're not going to drive your paddock, it's pretty hard to expect a robot to do it. Yes. Especially with no, because you've got no human interaction with it really. So we say just drive your paddocks and make sure you can actually drive your boundaries. And you know, we do notice that people with robots now aren't sitting on them and they don't have that, they don't have that option that if there's a branch hanging out, they can just sort of weave around it and put it back in auto steer. So they're going around and cleaning up their headlands and taking out obstacles. So maybe that rock doesn't actually need to be there. Yeah, so how do you compensate now currently for when there are obstacles? Does that come down to your mapping? Yeah, so it comes down to your mapping. So you just drive around and put four points on it. So it's again done with your GPS and your computer and you yeah. just put four points around it. It'll create a circle. Uh, the robot knows how big it is. So whether that, that's, um, so whether you're running a 24 meter or a 12 meter, it knows its exact width. So how wide it actually needs to go around an obstacle not to take it out. And then, um, yeah, so we do the, be- we, we sort of say the better you map your place, the less troubles you're going to get. If you, if you want to take shortcuts and, oh, I'll get, I'll get up to that obstacle someday, like your robot's just going to pull up for it. But in saying that we do, um, if your robot does pull up for an obstacle, it'll, you'll just get an alert on your phone says obstacle detected or robot stopped due to obstacle. And it's, um, it's all, the obstacle detection's all done by LIDAR. Oh, okay. Cool. So, which sort of gives it, so it bounces. It's like same as radio waves. It yeah. bounces off obstacles and comes back, and that's how it gets its depth depth perception. Okay. What are some of the issues you guys have like run into thus far? Uh, probably the biggest one is not having a place mapped and robots not seeing ob- obstacles. Like obviously they pull up to it, but lidar doesn't see water. Sure. Okay. So that's that's one. If I, anyone's grower's been lazy and just thought, oh, what's not going to run into a dam? Well. It's actually blind to that because lidar doesn't see water. Yeah, okay. So they can't actually. They shoot like they. Sh- the lidar shoots into water. They don't get bounced back, so they don't yes. have to get that depth perception. Mm-hmm. So they will just run into the water. Interesting. I didn't know that. There you go. Um, we we run we run a fair few over contours as well. So especially out west, New South Wales, and even on our place up in Emerald, um, like Swarm Farm place, we've got a fair bit of contour country. And that's one of the biggest questions we get is how do you go in the contours? Because that's an, that's an issue everywhere. So the 24 meter boom, we, um, we haven't had really any issues with it over the contours. There are contour settings, so the robot will slow down. If it's, if it, if it's all of a sudden the sensors are starting to see the sky it's for two seconds, it'll just back off. Okay. So, and that'll back off for 10 seconds. So will it go uphill then or? Yeah, it goes uphill. So down Harden, we've got. Uh, robots down there. Okay. And it's on that. Hardened on. Progresses over an angle where you're like, ooh, it'll. Yeah, it's, um, 
I think the I think the thing is if it sees the sky for ten seconds, okay, it'll just stop. Okay, so that stops it from tipping over backwards for sure. I've never seen one tip over backwards, and yeah, well, I, know. I don't really plan on it either. <laughs> I'd hate to hear about it, but so I don't know. To be some funny places, people take some tractors. Yeah, no doubt. Um, what is it? What does company currently look like now? And I guess moving forward, where are you guys kind of taking everything? So at the moment, we're building a third sort of hub in Toowoomba. At the moment, well, we are based out of Emerald and then Harden down southern New South Wales, and we're now based out of Toowoomba, so I'm based out of Toowoomba there. And initially, or beginning of the year, there was about 21 people in the company, and by the end of the year, we're looking to fill 40, have 40 in the company, and a lot of them will be serviced technicians or um, field techs, because... As we talk to people after sales service is possibly the, one of the biggest and most important things. It's hard. You got something going wrong and it's pretty hard to get someone out. So from like with any machinery. So that's sort of what something we are trying to push for is that service, service support. Uh, we run obviously 6am till 8pm, seven days a week we run phone support and a lot of the software problems can actually get sorted out over the phone or because we can remotely log into your robot so as long as you've got it on and there is a bit of cell service uh we can log into your robots so a lot of issues are solved that way but your tech your hardware issues we've got the technicians for it and we're wanting to try and build them faster than we're selling the robots so we can continue to support them okay and how many units do you guys have in the field about 54 in the field now commercially What's your end goal for the end of the year? Or is it more to progress that service side of the industry? We're going to progress the team and service side. Um, oh, we've, well, where do you want to stop? Yeah. Uh, one of the biggest issues is manufacturers keeping up. So we do, we've got a thing called Swarm Connect, which allows, which opens the platform for any manufacturer to uh, build compatible components for our Swarm bots. And that's, that sort of just allows the, so if you, if you've got a 24 meter boom and you're down in South Australia or in WA and you can build it and get it to us, well, I don't see why we have to sort of stick to one certain manufacturer. Mm. It allows like eventually tens of thousands of manufacturers to be able to build components for our robots. And eventually we're, at the moment we're just spraying, um, slashing and turf mowing. But eventually we want to get into orchards and um, yeah, pretty much we'll, we will expand. So tree crops is probably an interesting one if we will go down. But yeah, some of that agriculture. Yeah, yeah. horticulture, yeah. yeah. So turf, we've got a few in turf now, which is, that's the dream. Like turf is the dream. You run them at 4Ks an hour and they actually have to, mow, they have to mow all the time. That's something I've learned since coming into the business is the more you mow turf, the thicker it is and the better the turf is. Okay. So they just run these things just flat at 4Ks an hour. So. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned cost effective and I guess we'll, we'll kind of finish up. What is the, what is the kind of a price look like currently for someone looking for it in the market? Yeah, so for the robot itself, um, you're looking at about 257 plus GSC. And then obviously your spray rigs or compo- um, components are sourced externally. So what you do, if you're wanting a spray rig, you um, contact the manufacturers. So we use RBE out of Dolby or uh, Hayes out of Gundy. 
they're the main ones up in the, like around the downs, Darling Downs. And you contact them and get a, put in a build slot and then you let us, you order a robot through us. And then what we do is rather than having a robot built and then waiting for the boom, we line up the build with the build, with the manufacturers so that you get them both at the same time. Okay. There's no point us building a robot and having it sit there collecting dust for a couple of months. Yeah, for sure. And previously we did have a three year lease option, but now we've scrapped that and it's just an outright buy of about two fifty seven. And in, in that it does involve our or include our comprehensive service package, which is a three year warranty package. And that includes your um all your major upgrades, major services, um, like major components on the robot. And then you look after just your general wear and tear, um, filters oil wear and tear of tires like just the general stuff okay. and then after that three years uh you just pay a software subscription so much like your telephone it is mobile if you stop paying that it stops working it's the exact same with a autonomous vehicle okay if there's no software on it, it if there's if the software subscription's not up to date it just stops in the middle of the paddock. it uh, just uh, dies in the yeah. paddock eh? yeah <laughs> no and now it's not so autonomous uh, <laughs> no but all that that doesn't it's about we're looking at around that 20 grand in three years and a year and that's per year and that'll involve like all your rtk subscriptions all your cloud subscriptions okay. all your major software updates and service from our end and then you just look after all the as you would any diesel engine or tractor that's out of warranty, you just look after it. Yeah, okay. Sam, appreciate you coming on and having a chat. That's pretty no, good. Pretty crazy. Anything else you kind of want to say to finalise and finish up? No. Ever want to buy a swarm bot? <laughs> Get in contact. I'll have one ready for you. <laughs> awesome, boss.